0: Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers. And I really struggled with the topic this week, but ultimately ended up, as I looked outside and it was raining, wanting to talk about your favorite weather when you waterfall hunt. Now, I've hunted when I was on the TV show from Canada all the way down to the uh, tip of land in Louisiana. And I heard a lot of different opinions depending on the region you're in. Now, I don't know why or why people quantify what the perfect weather is, but when we're up here in Wisconsin, I really like and most of the people I hunt with, like a day where you've got a low ceiling, maybe a little rain, Not a heavy rain, but enough where basically you have weather that is keeping the birds flying lower. I don't know why that is. That seems to be the best hunt I've had (coughs) when I'm hunting in Wisconsin. And I usually will hunt until the weather gets to the point where it stops raining, if it's going to in the morning. Because I've also seen where you do good in the morning, birds are flying low, they're right there. They don't really want to move Again, we're hunting water, so maybe that's part of it too. But the birds are staying low to the deck. They aren't as wary. And then I also see a huge push of birds when it stops raining. You get that point where it stops raining and it seems like 15 to 30 minutes later, the birds are just moving everywhere, which I'm assuming it's because we're hunting water The birds are staying tight when it's bad weather. And then once the weather breaks, they're getting up, moving around, they're feeding, and they're going places. So you're getting that, I guess, first push later in the daylight than you would on a day that's a bluebird day. Now, when I have been hunting down south, and and this was a lot of people, they would say, clear skies and sunny days kill ducks my worst hunts many times were when we had that type of weather now again maybe it's because i hunt predominantly water in wisconsin and not fields but down south they really like it when you get that clear bluebird day and the the sun is just beaming off of your spinning wings the sun is beaming off your decoys it's kind of crazy because I always looked at that and went, "Wow, well, I just don't understand how one can be different from the other. In my opinion, from what I've seen, you do get longer hunts when it is worst weather. Uh, it seems like it kind of elongates the, the the timeline of the birds moving. But again, just my opinion. What I'd love to have happen is this will be posted on our social media. After you listen to this, please comment on what your favorite day is, what your favorite hunt is. Obviously, when you have fronts coming through and you get that north-northwest wind, those are great days for migration days because the birds are getting up, they're moving, it's easy for them to fly. I get that, but I'm talking more when you're looking at low-ceiling weather as far as rain or snow or a bluebird day. What is your favorite type of a hunt and favorite time to be out? And please, if you can't specify if you are hunting fields or water, uh, depending on you know what you're with that, with that different situation. It's always interesting listening to other people and hearing other people's opinions on stuff and how they hunt and what works for them. And I think a lot of it is interesting as well for time of year, so put that in. If you're hunting during a time when you've got your local birds, as opposed to once you get in migration, are the birds acting a certain way? Now, in Wisconsin, I look at the long-term forecast because, well, I'm obsessed with hunting and I own wetlands, so you, you we've been flooded the last three years. It looks like, in theory, that we are going to have normal to uh, slightly less than normal rainfall, which for me, I look at that and I just smile and think about time. Now, will that come to fruition? I guess we'll see. But if we can get to the point where we aren't dealing with Torrential rains all the time that would be optimal for me and for my hunting, but we are Looking at a warm summer, so hopefully water levels are high enough There's plenty of birds plenty of nesting habitat and we get into the season where we don't have Huge rains now huge rains work well for a lot of people in our area if you are in any place where the crop was put in in spring it grew, it was almost mature and that floods, you are in the dynamite area because Wisconsin technically it's not really legal for us to flood a field but if it's naturally flooded it really works well. When I look at hunting water it just makes things more predictable. If you hunt predominantly water you can go out and the birds don't have as many options so the birds are going to go to those areas. Um, if you have food in those areas that will be something that's interesting too last year we had one part of our property that is a small pothole only accessible by us so it's a great spot and the birds just loaded in there we hunted it i think five times and we're near limits each time or should have had limits Um, Not that that's what we hunt for, but it was just amazing because in Wisconsin, we don't get those type of hunts where it's like, holy cow, the birds are here and you just load up. We got those last year in this one pond consistently over and over and over as long as we let it rest a few times. And we had planted some different things into those ponds in the past. We planted some sago pondweed. There's a lot of coontail. I'm assuming that between what we planted with the sago and the invertebrates that live in the other native species that the ducks were just feasting in there. And that is someone that is, it's really interesting as far as uh, watching them. And it'll be interesting as well to see if that translates into something this year, if we again have regular water levels or lower water levels, to see if this is a pattern we're going to have. We actually have a blind on that pond And we were going to, in theory, put a different blind up on there on the opposite side, so you could hunt different winds. I made the decision we're not going to do that this year. We're going to see what it looks like next year. See how the hunt goes, and then we'll see how 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 we do. To really, I guess, give it a chance, so that we don't put a ton of time and resources into something that doesn't come to fruition. So, it will be interesting. It will be something that. I guess I'm curious on and I'll probably kick myself for not putting that second blind in this year in the in the long run then when I do put the blind in we'll probably have high water or low water and the birds won't be there but just wanted to get more of a pattern on it so I could see where we felt the best spot was for whatever predominant wind we're dealing with so again exciting stuff being able to plan out I've been told by a few of my buddies that I am obsessed with hunting and I'm already planning out where I'm going to deer hunt during our gun deer season in November. I'm already planning out my strategies and getting guys in line for dates for our first teal season and after that uh, big duck season. Um, it's it's something that this time of year to me is like kid in a candy store. We work on our blinds. The anticipation starts to build. For waterfowl, uh, we, we, we aren't going to put any food plots in as far as waterfowl food plots. But for deer, we're putting food plots in. It's turkey season. We've got turkeys in our deer food plots, so I can't start the deer food plots until turkey season is over. I guess I'm a little ADD, but part of the issue I'm going to deal with now as well is we have lots of cameras up. I'm even considering buying more of these cameras so that I can have them out in our uh, duck ponds so I can scout ducks with our uh, game cameras. Again, all interesting stuff and stuff that I really can't wait. I can't wait... Uh, Until we start this uh, prep for the upcoming season, because that's, you know, waterfall season's 60 days for big duck. We get uh, September 1 through 9 on teal, and then we've got a little bit of goose season. It is something that I just look at and enjoy so much, getting out there, getting to hang out with my buddies and my kids. So I hope everyone else is looking at things, planning things out. Really great to get your mind off every all the other stressors in life and to start dreaming about hunting season and getting things ready. But again, back to our premise and our question, let me know what your favorite day is. My favorite day is slight drizzle, a 5 to 10 mile an hour wind just so we can set up so the birds are going to come in consistently and a low ceiling. That is what I like to hunt in Wisconsin on our properties. Let us know what you guys like to hunt on your properties. Stay tuned next for our dog training tip, which is going to be a puppy tip on how to find a good puppy. And then finally, we're going to talk about our hunting tip when we talk a little bit more about cover and some different ideas that we have when we're going to get out in the field. All that and more coming up after this. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere. But she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up, follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Jeff Fuller again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mack Outdoors have reloading supplies as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared to so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Hey, welcome back to Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. Today, I wanted to talk to you in our dog training tip, our dog tip section, about finding a puppy. I have seen a lot of people that are just desperate to get a puppy. They are buying puppies from people and then after the fact asking, should I have had a puppy with health clearances? I know of one person that bought one. And the dog continues to collapse when the dog is put under uh, strain physically when it's exercising. Again, that is exercise induced collapse. We have people that we talk to that have dogs that are dysplastic, whether in their elbow, elbows or hips, or have inherent eye issues. There are so many things that go into breeding a dog. There's a reason that people that are good at breeding dogs and do it for a profession are sold out right now, people. We have to look at this as a long term. Purchase. This is a long-term relationship. You're buying your fur kid. You want to make sure that you are doing all of the right things in your search. Checking off all the right boxes before you're purchasing something. That, yes, the purchase price is part of the equation when you look at it. But if you buy a puppy for $500 and have a dog that has inherent health issues, it could cost you $25,000 if you are going to follow through and continue trying to give this dog care. Keep these things in mind. The purchase price is ultimately the cheapest part of the equation on a dog. And the other thing to keep in mind is that you're going to have this dog for 15 years. So if you have to wait six months, the old adage, everything comes to those who wait, is exactly true. With how busy as our everything has been, and how everything is so sold out, It could be that if you find a puppy available, there's a reason. In other words, they couldn't sell it to other people. Now it's still available for you. That doesn't mean that's the case in 100% of things. So keep that in mind. But do your research. Get your health clearances. At minimum, hips, elbows, eyes, exercise-induced collapse, canine neuromyopathy, and labrador retrievers. If you're buying a different breed, talk to a breed club ask what tests should be done at the minimum talk to your vet ask if they know of any issues that certain breeds have make sure that whether you're buying a dog for sporting dog or for a pet that you are getting a good healthy genetically clear dog again if you are buying a hunting dog buy from someone that has a pedigree that has a lot of talent in it with titles yes you are not going to run competition, but these titles that these puppies have in their pedigree show ability of past generations. There is a huge difference. It is such an ignorant statement to say it's all about training and not about ability. I train dogs professionally. I have seen plenty of farm dogs that are they are great. They run well. They don't have pedigrees behind them, but I've also sent a lot of them home. Because the dog was bred, it was a Labrador Retriever, but there was absolutely zero behind the pedigree. And the dog had zero desire to go and work and to go and hunt, but yet was still a nice pet. So keep those things in mind. You can have a dog that's got a great pedigree, a great temperament, as well as great ability in the field that is also a great pet. So those are my tips for the day. I'm going to jump off the soapbox next day. Stay tuned for our hunting tip coming up after this. Jeff Fuller, again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared to so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Hey, welcome back to the show. I wanted to talk about a blind idea I had. I was out cleaning the kennel, running dogs, and I looked and I had a large horse fence, big steel horse fence that was just sitting, uh, leaning up against the barn. What I'm going to do, I'm going to take that out. I'm going to drive four T-posts so I can basically set the fence between the T-posts, tie it to those T-posts, and then we will paint it brown with some brown paint. We will then drape it with some cover or pull cover, cut cover, and put it over it. But I thought that would be a great barrier just to sit in front of an area that we have a good backdrop on. There's a big tree behind us, but we're going to sit that in front of us just so we have, I guess, in essence, a shield or a wall between us and the birds. I think that it will make our hunts more successful at that spot. Not that you necessarily need cover, but... It was just looking at something and going, gosh, that's something I got to throw off to going, no, that's something I should use for one of our waterfall spots. I hope that gives you some ideas uh, of what you can do to repurpose things that you have for your duct lines. The other thing I had before this, I was actually going to take pallets out and use the same thing where you put T-post down, have the pallets out in front of you, and then again, paint the pallets like a dark brownish green then hang some cover over them and use the pallets but the spot that I want to do that in the water comes up and varies between several feet so I didn't want the pallets to get away and float downriver from our spot so we're going to use this large gate uh, or fence that piece that uh, that we had from uh, back when I had horses on my property and we are going to repurpose that and use it for some cover for a blind in our future upcoming hunts. Hope that helps. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I really appreciate you guys checking in. Please share our podcast with everyone you know. Give us great ratings. Everyone take care. Have a great week and God bless. Sporting dog adventures run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun. Everything you need is here under the sun.